I'm Jade. And I'm Zaria. And welcome to the All Girls Considered Leander High School Edition. A podcast dedicated to telling the stories of inspiring women and girls. Today we're interviewing Tasha McGee, a career coach for various nonprofit organizations. Welcome, Ms. McGee. Hello, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> uh, please tell us about yourself. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> um, like you said, I am a career coach and I work at a local nonprofit in Fort Worth, Texas, also known as Monkey Town, Texas, and um, help individuals really uncover who they are in their lives right now and pursue those dreams that maybe they had in high school. Maybe they woke up and said, what I'm doing now isn't working. And so I'd like to pursue something different. So it's, it's pretty exciting work. Uh, it sounds like it. Can you tell us about what a typical day in your career is like? Sure. Uh, typical is relative, I think. <laughs> I get so many different individuals who I interface with that that is probably one of the parts that I love the most. Um, I teach classes. I teach self-marketing and, and employment readiness classes at the nonprofit. And I also teach at a local um, community college. So I may have a class of someone who just got out of high school and is ready to kind of seize their, their, their career and their first steps in their career, sitting next to someone who's got three master's degrees and is kind of changing direction with their career. Um, and I teach those classes every other week. And then in the downtime, I connect with those individuals one-on-one -on -one and we work with goal planning. We work with um, financial wellness as well. So it's, it's really the whole person, a whole person approach versus just one thing. That's really cool. It's nice that you get to interact with so many different types of people who are coming from all sorts of different backgrounds and paths. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how did you discover the passion for like coaching and serving others? Oh, completely by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I initially was in the arts and I worked at a local museum, so the Kimball Art Museum, for almost 10 years. And I loved art growing up. I always wanted to be an artist, but I didn't quite know what that meant or what that would look like. Um, didn't have that confidence quite yet either. And uh, so I just went for it and I started working in a museum and I loved it. I stayed there and I kept progressing and, and getting, you know, promotions and different roles. But I thought this just isn't, this isn't satiating that part in my heart that wants to give back, wants to do more. And so I, I decided, well, maybe the activist in me is calling and I need to listen to that whisper. And so I decided to partner with a few nonprofits in the North Texas area whose mission I really aligned with. I thought, wow, that's really great work. So I volunteered with three nonprofits while going to school and working full time. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. I think I was in my 20s and uh, decided that one in particular really pulled at my heart and that was the um, human trafficking outreach and anti-human trafficking and domestic violence agency in Dallas. So they ended up calling me in to interview for a position and that was that. I, after that, I've been in social services ever since. That's really interesting actually. Um, 
I feel like that can appeal to a lot of girls, uh, myself personally, wanting to be an activist and giving back to our community. Uh, do you think you could tell us what nonprofits you were working with before you started working with uh, human trafficking in Dallas? Sure, I was working with, so the local nonprofits were ACH, Child and Family Services. I volunteered there, did some street outreach with them, um, helped in, in one of their programs to help keep families together. Um, and they focus mainly on, on children, foster care, um, adopting, uh, adoption, that kind of thing. And then I worked with the International Rescue Committee in Dallas and helped newly resettled refugees find their way in America, really. So you get assigned a family and you kind of help them figure out simple things like grocery shopping. Well, we think they're simple. Um, <laughs> the bus system what turning on and off a light is if they've never experienced electricity. Most of them had, most of them were well aware of that, but sometimes they hadn't. Uh, they lived in really rural areas from uh, their countries. So that was just such a lesson in how small the world really is and how um, connected we are as humans. And then, the, so I've always been intrigued by international relations and Mosaic Family Services was the next one. And that's where I partnered together with them and worked with individuals who had survived uh, human trafficking. That's absolutely incredible. It's amazing how many different, like how much you've been able to influence like different communities and help out. Well, you know, and, and you're not ever really sure. If you're lucky, you'll see the fruition of your labor, so to speak. But sometimes it's the smallest act that doesn't even show up on your radar that can change someone's life. And you don't know that. Sometimes they tell you and sometimes they don't tell you. And it's such a reward when they do. <laughs> That's what keeps you going moment to moment. I like to ask too, like, if you could choose to tell one story, like, of one person you've coached, like, what story would you tell? Oh, man, that's a good question, because there's so many good stories. I think one of my favorites is um, we do a visioning exercise in our coaching classes. And just with coaching in general, you can do visioning so that you really see your goals you talk about them, you talk about what that looks like, what that tastes like, what that smells like, what that sounds like, and kind of with yourself, your body, and how you may change your posture, envision yourself in this particular place where you've met your goal. And uh, this one candidate of mine who was, who will remain nameless, but she was in her 70s, came through, and I just vividly remember her picking out a card that had a dress, a yellow dress, kind of sunlit from the back. And it was hanging on a hanger. And that was it. It was very simple. And she held it up and she said, I want to own my own business. And I've always wanted to do this. Um, never been able to, never quite known where to start or had you know, the money or ability to. But I'd like to start uh, alterations and a sewing business. And then I'd also like to create a space where I can then teach young children that skill trade and give back to my community. And I thought, wow, okay. And she was dressed to the nines and she had made her own clothing. And I thought that is impressive. And so I worked with her and she, she did amazing work 
created some pretty clear goals and she started her own business and now has a brick and mortar store in the city. So I'm, you're never too old. You're never too young to start. And I just love that story. That's really inspiring. It's nice to know that no matter what age, you can still achieve whatever goals you've always wanted to. Yes, absolutely. And you can change your mind. <laughs> That's a big thing, too, because you yeah. may be asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Especially now in high school. Gosh, you're asked that a lot. And you might not know. I don't know. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And then you have adults that don't know what they want to be when they grow up. So I usually pitch it back in a different way. And I just say, well, what would you like to be now at this point in your growth? Because that can change and you can do it for three years or do it for 50 years and then decide, you know what? I've always had this in me and I've never nourished that. So I'm going to turn towards that and see what that holds for me. That's, I feel like that would be comforting, especially to a lot of girls our age, knowing that even if we pick something now, we don't always have to stay with that one career choice and we can always grow and develop into something else or completely change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I had no idea I wanted to be a coach until I started coaching and figured out what that meant. I thought it just meant, you know, coaching people to be really good soccer players or something. (laughs) (laughs) But then I found out, oh, it's different. It's like professional coaching. So you're co-creating a relationship with individuals who have goals or who are struggling and don't know why. Um, So I started it and, oh man, I've fallen in love with it. It's just so rewarding. And I wouldn't have been able to tell you that in high school, that that's what I was going to do. Um, so do you consider your job very stressful or is it more relaxed? I would say it can be very stressful because I'm in particular, I'm dealing with a lot of crisis. So a lot of people in crisis may be facing eviction, maybe fleeing persecution or violence in some way. Um, domestic violence. So it can be very stressful. Uh, The demands are high, but it's all about your perspective. So if you see stress as a challenge and not just stress, then it makes it easier (laughs) to deal with it. And I think I've almost gotten used to that certain intensity of stress that I thrive off of it now, um, which is something I, I didn't expect to happen. So it keeps things interesting. It keeps things new. It keeps you creative when you're not quite sure where to go or what resources out there. Then uh, you got to tap into different facets of yourself and figure it out. And um, the clients do too. So they are very creative and they have the answers if you just ask the right questions. How long do you think it took you to begin to thrive off the stress? Hmm. Very good question. I think I'm still learning. And I think I'm okay with that. Um, Some days are better than others. But I'd say that if I can keep that in mind, that stress is a challenge when I'm feeling my most stressed out, then I realize, ah, this is just preparing me for something extraordinary. (laughs) It does sound like you're doing extraordinary work. Um, So we read your Holstie and everything (laughs) about it just seems so positive. Uh, Do you think there's any particular person or event that influenced all this positivity in your life? I don't know that there's a particular person. I definitely would have to 
thank my mom for being so patient and kind towards me. She really showed me what that meant as a woman. Um, and then my clients, I mean, the people that I've met who have shown such resilience in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds. I mean, you can't really let yourself get too down once you've seen some of this and heard some of their stories. Um, and then you realize it's possible. I can get through this too. So I feel like it's a choice. Yeah. Uh, we did also read in your bio that you might have a pen in your mouth during rush hour. Is there a story behind that? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> good old Amy Cuddy. So, uh, we show Amy Cuddy's TED Talk all about presence and power posing and that kind of thing in our classes before our clients have to do a presentation or what we call a personal commercial. And she mentions that. She mentions even if you have to put a pen in your teeth so that you're smiling, that will help alter your hormones and you'll begin to feel happier. So I just thought, you know what, I'm going to try that one day. So in rush hour, I tried it just to see. And I felt so silly that that alone <laughs> made me laugh. And I thought, all right, you can't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> it also said that um, you like dark British comedies. Which kinds do you watch or do you have a particular favorite one? Oh, man, I love the Mighty Boosh. I'm going to shout out to the Mighty Boosh. It's probably my favorite. Um, that I, I can mention. <laughs> <laughs> what makes it your favorite? Because it is such a wonderful combination of artistry and humor and um, wit and visuals. I just love it. I love it. And it's kind of like this sneak peek into the lives of um artists and, and creatives in London, and I love London, so. <laughs> it's a very beautiful city. Um, so you mentioned your mother earlier and how positive she was. Uh, has that affected your perspective on parenting your own children? Absolutely, absolutely. So in both negative and positive ways, so you always hear, or you may hear, I'm never going to do that when I'm a parent or a mom. <laughs> Um, or when I have a kid, I'm not going to do that. And sometimes you eat those words because you end up doing that. And then sometimes you do things differently because you know how it felt on the receiving end, or you do things the same way because you know how supported and nourished you felt. And so I definitely tried to, to my daughter, be as supportive and patient and nurturing as my mom was to me, because that made such a difference in my life and, and the way that I perceived myself. Um, and of course, there are things that I won't do that I, my mom did because of uh, the effects that it had. So she would talk poorly about herself. Her self-image was really negative. And I will not do that around my daughter. <laughs> so little lessons like that. It's fun to see how it unfolds. Has that also like affected like the work that you're doing? I think so. I think it underscored my desire to affect positive change in women's lives in particular because of the struggle faced by so many women around the world. Because even here in the United States, we're still, you know, battling for equality. Um, 
I just thought that was really important. If I ever have a voice to share for someone who doesn't, then I'm going to share that. So absolutely, it's affected my work. And uh, what advice would you give girls listening to this podcast right now? I'm going to have to quote one of my favorite uh, poets and say that it takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. And that's from E.E. E. Cummings, and I believe that <laughs> so deeply. It can be terrifying to navigate the terrain of who am I in this moment? Who am I as a person? Who will I be in the future? And then once you recognize that, is that you know, someone that you like? Is that someone that you want to continue engaging in learning and, and challenges and to forgive and that kind of thing? And you never know. You never know what may happen. You may be an artist one moment and you may be a counselor the next. <laughs> so it really takes courage to embrace all those facets of yourself, no matter what anyone else uh, believes to be true about you. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you so much uh, for joining us and being able to let us interview you. It's been amazing, informative, and inspiring, and I'm really glad we got the chance to talk to you. Uh, You're so welcome. (laughs) You're actually our first official interview, so this was really special. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I'm doubly honored, and um, I'm happy to take more questions. So if, if something comes up and you would like to send a question over to me, then I will happily answer those questions for you. Thank you. That's awesome. Yes, you're welcome. This has been Leander High School's All Girls Considered interviewing Tasha McGuffin.